to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Welcome to episode 264 of the Dave's I Know podcast. Uh, we are back. This is our end of the year, more or less 2022 recap. Slight look forward to 2023, um, and as well as a bunch of other uh, soccer news um, that happened locally here in the Twin Cities um, over the course of the last week or so. So uh, it's been kind of crazy, even though we haven't didn't have a game to watch. Um, we have our regular crew of uh, Jessica. How are you doing? I'm well, how are you? Good, busy, Just got a new job, so I'm trying to get ready for all that stuff. So uh, exciting, and then MJ, we have MJ, how's it going, MJ? I am just tired from roofing the last three days. And, uh, you know, when someone says, hey, help me with this roof, don't say yes. No. I thought you said roofing. What kind of fool are uh, you? I thought you said roofing, and I was like, that seems a weird thing to admit on a podcast, but roofing, okay. Well, say no to that, too. Two, two syllables, David, not three. I know I mumble a lot. Uh, roofing. Right. Yeah, I just want you to know that uh, particle board and shingles and roofing nails are sharp objects. Yes, and they are. And probably carcinogenic. And you probably should wear gloves. Just a, a tip. This is uh, the roofing hour brought to you by the Daves I know. Um, and we also have a special guest, uh, former Daves I know co-host, uh, Dan Wade. Dan, how's it going? Um, hanging in there. Uh, I also I also had a chance to uh, go roofing recently and had agreed to it and then got the cold from death that uh, my daughter brought home from daycare. So I had to bow out of that. It sounds like or MJ, I made the better choice of spending a weekend violently ill on the couch. That's right. Since Dan was last on the podcast, he had a kid. So congratulations, Dan. Thank you. Got to start yeah. Is Nora better? Uh, yes. Yeah. She got better and then got double-barreled pink eye and then got better. And then today was her four-month injections. So she, it hasn't been her favorite two weeks out of her four months of life so far. It gets better. Yeah, Clara got it gets pink worse, eye. but it gets better. Clara got pink eye a couple a couple of weeks ago. I'm pretty sure from the daycare. Dan and I send the kids to the same daycare, so <laughs> I was like, when I was like, how did you get pink eye? And I was like, oh, it's that fucking daycare. Um. Anyways, love you, Lexington, Lexington kids. Christian child care. <laughs> sure. Now mention them. <laughs> we had mentioned them. Now we did. Yeah, Just they're to be that, sure. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna be a, a sponsor of the podcast. So <clears throat> I, I was gonna say it sounds like they finally uh, fully rebuffed Dave's sponsorship on voice. <laughs> I had no idea they were invited. <laughs> I mean, anybody can offer to spot that uh, sponsor the podcast. I don't say yes to everybody. So <clears throat> I know. All right, <laughs> all right. Let's we're gonna break the, the season down, um, kind of bit by bit. Uh, we're not gonna spend a ton of time on any 
any one particular thing, but because I think we all kind of are have a general sense of. So what, actually, let's start with that. What is your general sense of this season in like less than ten words? Um, I'll all go of first. a sudden, David yeah. gets a job and his time is money, bitches. Like you better watch <laughs> out because he's always closing and he's drinking <laughs> coffee by the mug full. Shut the fuck up. Not less than ten words. Okay, so that's all your that's your ten words. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> I you mean, I, your, your co-hosts are ten words. You have to realize who your co-hosts are. <laughs> David. I, I, I want it. I, I don't want a rant. I want to keep it. You know, very simple uh, feelings I on the season. Did. I had a good time. I thought we did pretty good. That's like less than ten words. See, uh, MJ. Uh, Use your basic bitch voice, MJ. As expected. How's that? Two words. As expected. Good. Dan? Uh, Disappointing, but only because we were fools to have high expectations. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. uh, Mine was going to be something so along the same lines as like, um, you know, you can't get hurt if you don't feel. (laughs) So... I mean, that's the Minnesota sports credo in general. Right, exactly. So, okay, well, it's not everything was terrible uh, this season. We did have some good, some good things, including some uh, good results. Uh, let's talk. We're going to break it down sort of a little bit position by position. We're not going to go through every single player at each of these positions. Uh, they're kind of just general, obviously, other than keeper. Um, talk a little bit about the coaching staff and uh, player development, things like that. So, you know, basically everybody in the podcast, if you, uh, you know, I'm going to go by the position. Just mention the players that are in that position. If you have anything specific you want to say, um, jump in and we'll uh, then we'll move on. So uh, let's start. Questions welcome. Questions are welcome. Yep. Uh, all right. We'll start from the back with the keeper. Um, we obviously started the season off with Tyler Miller. He got uh, the birthday flu uh, one game and Dane St. Clair took over and never looked back. Uh, Eric Dick played a little bit in the open cup. I don't think he got a U. I don't think he got an MLS game. Am I correct? It was just Miller and no. DSC. DSC had the bulk, the bulk of them. Um, I didn't give anybody any directions in terms of like grading or, or talking about I it. I already so have follow up questions. Everybody, just say what you want about the the keeper position. Who wants to start? Okay, so twenty twenty one, primarily Miller. Dane comes in playoffs. He's rusty, and it doesn't go so well. So then this year, we start with Miller, we swap to Dane for the majority, and now uh, what are we anticipating for next season? A Dane-Miller mix? This is uh, this is for the, the next part of the podcast where we preview and talk about 2023. <laughs> <laughs> What do you, how do you think the position, how do you think the, the, the goalkeeping was for the season, Jess, and just overall for 2022? I love Dane St. Clair. I think most of Minnesota does. So um, anything insightful, Dan, or other than me and uh, Jess ex- expressing our love of Dane St. Clair? I mean, asking for insight from the two of us is, is a high bar, but I'll happily just sort of word vomit here. I'm not sure I've ever seen somebody have the highs that Dane had and the lows that Dane had within the same season. Um, first four or five games he played, unbelievable. You think about the game against Red Bulls, he absolutely stole those three points. 
saved the penalty, saved a couple of point blank shots. He was up for save of the year for that game. You go back to the Portland, the 4-4 draw against Portland, and he looked awful. I mean, he looked unplayable. He looked worse than Eric Dick, who looked awful against Union Omaha, which is a fucking feat. Um, I love Dane. I, he's so athletic. His positioning gets better every game. But it's just wild to me that somebody can have that kind of extreme. And I kind of wish I, I had a better sense of what the team was working on with him. Because when you see stuff like that, when somebody swings back and forth like that, you kind of wonder if there's, I don't want to say a mental issue like, an actual like diagnosable thing, but just if his head is kind of not right. And that's something coaches and mentors should be working on with him. So I hope that that's something he works on this off season. Yeah. MJ. James Claire, Claire was phenomenal. He kept us in so many games that we didn't deserve being in. And he compensated for our very porous back line and very porous center midfield until he didn't anymore. Yeah. That pretty much sums it up. Um, okay. Anything else on keepers um, before we move on? No, I just wanted to verbalize my heavy, heavy, heavy nod at Dan's sentiment about um, when Dane was off, he was off in a major way. And sometimes that's where my little devil on my shoulder that is on the Keith out train hardcore full time says like is it um you know a a anxiety or like locker room kind of dynamic thing because I just it's hard to believe how that Portland game now that you mentioned it it's all coming back like yeah that was wow that's all yeah I think that <clears throat> Where goes Dane, there goes the team, honestly, a little bit. So, um, okay. Speaking of that, uh, that mostly porous backline um, that we had for good chunks of the year, not all year, not all, all the year, but definitely um, were some issues. Uh, Alan Benitez, Michael Boxall, Bikal Debasi, O'Neill Fisher, Brent Coleman, uh, Kamar Lawrence, Romain Metnier for like 29 minutes this year, and DJ Taylor. Uh, and that Chase was- Gasper for a brief period of time. Chase Gasper for a brief period of time as well. Um, that was the bulk of you know the the and with that being Boxel the bossy, obviously Coleman, the center backs, and um Lawrence and Taylor Benitez in some capacity with a little bit of uh Gasper at the beginning of the year as the fullbacks. Uh, anybody have have any particularly strong feelings about the defense and wants to get them out of their chest right away? Uh I'll volunteer. Go for so- it, MJ. To piggyback on my own comment from the goalkeepers, I want you as Loons fans to think about how many times Dane St. Clair bailed out the back line that was not in the right position, too slow, uh, not facing the correct way, or just plain inept at marking somebody. Think about how many times Dane St. Clair did that. And then think about how many times the defense bailed out Dane St. Clair. Okay. One number is vastly larger than, than the other. And, and I don't have the stats on this, but one number is way larger than the other. Um, for me, the, the huge bright spot was DJ Taylor stepping in right back for Roman Metnier. Um, he is my, like, after Dane St. Clair, the second MVP on this team, based on what we expected from, from him. Um, and in, if, in fact, if we're going solely based on 
expectations and exceeding expectations, he's maybe the number one MVP. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <clears throat> Taylor was heck, also a heck of a lot of fun to watch this season in a season where even when the team was playing well, it could be a slog. It wasn't always the most aesthetically pleasing. That dude runs. He has the engine of a toddler, like just absolutely, no matter how badly the team was playing, no matter how much they were getting on each other, he was always willing to do this dirty work. And I, I respect the hell out of that. Um, he's a little bit offensively limited as a fullback, and that doesn't super work in Heath's system, um, but that's not his fault. Uh, and somewhat similarly, I don't think there's anyone I've ever watched play and felt worse for, not about for, than Alan Benitez, because that dude is really good as a wingback. I think he could even be like in on the, the right side of a front three in a pinch. He did the, that work so well, and he just can't defend. He's not a defender. But the Loons picked him up and shoved him at fullback. And they were like, go play defense. It's easy. All you do is positioning and effort. And then let him fail repeatedly and get booed and look like shit. And like, I've never, I have seen people been, been, be set up to fail. I have been set up to fail. Alain Benitez got set up to fail. And I hope he comes back next year just so that he can go on the Alain Benitez revenge tour and get like 16 assists because he finally gets to go forward with support behind him to cover. You mean late defensive replacement for the left wing, Alan Benitez? Yeah, that's that's, that's the one. Like, and a lot like DJ Taylor, like he worked super hard for the team, and he mm-hmm. just got put in the worst possible position. It would yeah. be like David having to sub in as pastor on somebody's church on Sundays. Oh my god! I would go straight Amen. up in flames if I if I stepped into a church. So that's not happening. Um, it's not that different from what happened to Benitez. It's not. You're right. It's a fair point. Um, yeah, I mean. T. Wade, of... <laughs> you should come back more often. We thoroughly enjoy you. I appreciate ter- that. Yeah, in terms of the, the defensive setup, um, you know, it certainly, Minnesota certainly had worse defenses in their history. Um, what up, know. Francisco Calvo? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Boxel and Debassi, when they're on the field together, are great, but they're also both old. Um, and well, and this is, you know, alluding to what we need to do in 2023 in the 2022 offseason. Yeah, there. that's the wrong segment. But um, <laughs> but they're they, but they've been old for like three years. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's like Boxel's been old since he joined this team. Um, Debassi also old. Bentnier obviously old and only got what 29 minutes in, on the season. Um, okay. Brett Coleman. Oh. And proven and in the groove over fucking amateur nonsense any day. Yeah, well, I'll I'll take amateur nonsense because at least it's young and can track back. Um, you get past Boxel, Debossi, or Common, and you, you're you're on goal. So um, then you need Dane St. Clair to bail your ass out. So uh, uh, yeah, I'll he's do- done successfully. Yeah, we can't we can't count on that though. And I just yeah, I'll also echo uh, MJ's DJ Taylor shout that that the dude was. A revelation for um playing so defense quietly competent he was quietly co- like i was worried to see him go in at first and then he was a rock like i felt good about him whenever i saw him hit the pitch yep <clears throat> all right let's move on uh to the midfield all right we had uh kermagird <clears throat> jogo uh nico hansen only occasionally um 
Jacory Hayes before he got hurt. Robin Lude played a lot in the midfield. Joseph Rosales, Will Trapp, and then for some, a few shining moments, Asani Dotson before he um, blew up his knee. So, poor guy. What are our thoughts on the sort of this is more of the defensive midfield, obviously, not the, um, but you know, I, I just, I kind of, I kind of group players based on just how I felt about him in terms of midfielder attack. So that's why I put Hanson in here, MJ. So, um, cause he never played. So the center midfield. Sure. Yeah. He never played. Nico Hansen very played very rarely, very sparingly. For, yeah. He did play. But I not, was there. He's my boyfriend often. and I would, uh, he, he had some manly minutes. Okay. Any <laughs> other thoughts on midfield or any particular players we're interested in NCN or, or, or well, you know, did we get our bank for a buck for say, for example, uh, Jonathan Gonzalez, he's only here for a very short period of time. Obviously scored a very important goal for us. Um, you know, we'll talk about his, um, his loan at the, in the next segment of the podcast, but you know, Jonathan Gonzalez, I thought, you know, for the bang for his buck did pretty good. Almost exactly a year ago, Ethan Finley went on Michael Rand's podcast and put words to the extremely open secret of the loons, which is they had no plan. They never had a plan. It was just get the ball to Reynoso and hope good things happen. Mm-hmm. When you look at this particular section of the field, I think that is painfully clear in this because a lot of these guys are legitimately good footballers. Kervin Ariaga was solid this year. I really enjoyed Jonathan Gonzalez's 76 minutes or whatever he played. Ja'Cory Hayes does a job. Lude shouldn't have had to have been back there, but boy, he was really good there. Will Trapp honestly is a pretty decent player, but none of them have, none of them work together. These are like some double pivots and some traditional eights and a, like nobody's a real destroyer six, but some of them have six vibes. And so you're just looking at this sort of mishmash of players that you're like, yeah, I guess they're a midfielder because they don't play defense and they can't shoot. Like that's the actual cohesive element of these players. And I'm not saying Dave, that you put together bad categories. You put together Adrian Heath categories, which is right. We got, we got to put two guys there. And Kervin Ariaga is the tallest, which means he's the best. So we'll put him there. And like, there's, there's no, there's no cohesion here. When you go back to the really good loons midfields, when you've got like Grey Goosh as a straight up box to box eight, and then you had Ozzy Alonso as if you come within 12 feet of me, I'm leaving with your thumbs. Like there's cohesion there. You understand what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. And, And they understood it. I think if you asked each of these guys what their job was on the field, you'd get six different answers from six different guys. And that is endemic of leadership failure. It's not these guys' problem. It's again, they were handed the script to Hamlet and then shoved on stage for chorus line. (laughs) And then they had a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah, just tits everywhere. (laughs) Well... Yeah, except it was instead of Hamlet, it was Macbeth because, like, there was just a lot more blood. And of course, Adrian Heath is Lady Macbeth. I mean, naturally, yeah. That, that's that's obvious. I so. mean, it's it's, the, Scot- the, it's the Scottish play, MJ. The Scottish play. I've doomed this pod. Are any in a theater right now? No, oh, but, come on. All the no, but I'm going to go play broomball and, and like twist my ankle. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, they. So, Go ahead, go ahead, MJ. Um, I thought Jogo was great bang for the buck when we needed him. I thought Adrian Heath was actually correct in saying, hey, we need some 
fresh legs off the bench to help the attack. And that was his play a player out of position that works because we didn't have anybody else to kind of sub in uh, in that attack that would give us that youthful exuberance. Um, you know, especially with Bongi injured at the end, just needing some agent of chaos in the attack that's young and can run at tired legs. Uh, and so moving him from central midfielder into that attacking front four was a good move. Um, and then he had that interview that where he commented that like, my family likes it because then they see me in the sat line. Um, <laughs> anywho, uh, for me, the, the bright spots uh, are Robin Lude and Robin Lude. Um, someone with a great soccer IQ that has proven that he can play just about anywhere on the pitch and know what the fuck his role is, despite Adrian Heath. That's pretty impressive. And then to go along on the mirror image of what Dan said on gaps between when he was really, really good and when he was really, really bad with Dane St. Clair, except the reverse where there was more bad than good, Will Trapp, um, you know, really good when he was good, which it means when he was healthy, which wasn't a whole lot, and then just atrociously bad, whether that was injury related or not, just not the precise vision, not the defensive awareness that we expected from him considering his performance last year. Yeah, I think you guys all hit the nail on the head there. Um, a lot of interesting players that, like a lot of great tastes that don't taste great together is the, uh, to use another terrible metaphor. <laughs> like putting a handful of Skittles and M&Ms in your mouth. And I hope if we bring Rosales back, we give him more dead balls next next year that it's not Reynoso all the fucking time because it gives hope, us something different and he's pretty darn accurate with him. I hope we don't bring him back. So um, yeah, fair that's, enough. <laughs> there you hear no there. Uh, all right, the attack. Um, Amaria Abu Dunladi, <laughs> Frank Payne, Mender Garcia, Bongi obviously Reynoso, and then we obviously had uh, Patrick Guaya was hurt before the season started, so he didn't get any minutes. And then obviously he could throw loot in here for the the few times that he played on, on the right wing before he had to move to the eight. So and um, nine games of Adrian Unu. And yes, nine games of, of, of Unu. So who knew? <laughs> who can it be now? <laughs> All right. Um, Dan, do you want to start on the attack? <laughs> yeah, I, man, I'm always on the attack. So um, uh, in kind of the opposition to the midfield, you can actually see what they're trying to do here. Um, in Dunlady and Garcia and Bongi, way to a little bit lesser extent, also irrelevant this year. They they really like guys who uh, can get into interesting positions, who have a really good sense of attacking space, but who are a little bit unrefined. And I think that reflects Adrian Heath's belief that he can refine these players into good shooters. Um, hasn't hasn't happened yet. Uh, not saying it can't, not saying that he's incompetent. No, I am. I'm saying both of those things. If he can't do that, it's it's self-delusion. You know, we're in year five of this team not having any recognizable striker. Um, I actually went back and dug into Luis Amaria's stats because it's just shocking to me how many minutes he gets and how little output. So he had nine goals this season, but six of them came against non-playoff teams. Uh and also, you would think with a team that had legitimately 
the second best number 10 in the league, a best 11 caliber, a sister guy who's always been crazy over the past, that the team's leading striker, they, that would be sort of a powerhouse combination. Yet Reynoso's only ever had one assist to Luisa Maria, uh, equivalent to the number of assists as Kevin Molino, Ethan Finley, and Ja'Cory Hayes, and one behind Alan Benitez, because Alan Benitez had two this season. Ah, uh, man, that's that's not great. <clears throat> uh, anybody else have any other thoughts on our attack? I think Amaria gets paid more than the goals he made, though I was grateful for them. Um, like, I was just doing some comparison subjective, right, on Jess's scale, what are they worth? And his seemed a little high. Um, especially compared to somebody's like box dolls who's proven and been here forever. And I like Frank Payne a lot. I wish he could keep his head cooler. Um, I like his play and, um, but he is a liability when it comes to cards. For sure. Also, someone told me at Blackheart that, you know, Luisa Maria and uh, Bragapani are always looking to Barcelona the ball, meaning they're looking to try to pass it into the net. They're not looking to take shots uh, from outside. They're looking to kind of make the short run, quick pass combos, which doesn't really work in Heath's system just from what I know from watching Heath's system, if there is a system in the attacking third. <laughs> um, so also for when they get the ball, wanting to try to Barcelona the ball and like cut and dribble creatively and have someone else cut with them. When they don't have the ball, they're not cutting for the ball carrier to help them Barcelona the ball into the net. So there's kind of a disconnect there of when they have the ball, when they don't have the ball. That's just frustrating for me to watch because I feel like with Reynoso and Maria Fragapane, all being comparable players that speak Spanish, that I did see improved chemistry over the course of the year. It was not at the pace of improved chemistry and communication that I would have liked to have seen. And so that was a, a big letdown or disappointment um, even when we were winning and scoring three goals a game, it always looked to me like we should have had more or there were more, we, we were dominating, but there, there were these missed opportunities or, or and quite often the same game, we had three goals, but our opponents should have had three goals, but they could not shoot on net or take advantage of our defensive issues so um yeah the the attack as dan said should have been a lot better um and as jess says uh Frankopati needs to go to anger management um but yeah uh i would not you know i'm gonna get you know probably crucified for this from our dedicated listeners but i would not mind seeing Frankopati, reynoso and amaria as a trio back again for next year, just to see what they could do. 
Maybe I'm in the minority. <clears throat> okay. Um, I guess I'm interested. Mender Garcia um, occasionally looked uh, threatening. Um, occasionally looked like he was just kind of a standing around out there. I think we just see what he kind of like with Robin Lude with a, a full off season. Um, some, <clears throat> you know, the preseason time with the team, if he can turn into a Robin Lude type next year. And there was Bongi was a, um, I don't want to say a revelation because that dude has a lot of work to do on his game. Uh, <clears throat> but from, you know, where he came in and those first few games that we saw him and he looked like he was a chicken with his head cut off running around out there. Right. He was nowhere near, he looked like my, like Ragnar running around, chasing a ball at five at, you know, under four soccer, like just chasing in the general direction of the ball, but not actually quite going to the ball. Um, <clears throat> but he definitely tightened a lot of that up. Um, obviously a big, uh, a big goal there in the playoff game with, uh, managed to try and dribble through every single player on Dallas um, <clears throat> managed to get, lose the ball most of the time. But that one time when he, he actually lost the ball, but managed to get it back, he finds Reynoso. So he's an interesting player. He's got a, he's got a motor on him too. So interested to see about that. So let's move quickly since we don't have a ton of time um, coaching staff, who wants to start uh, those obviously Adrian Heath is the main guy. Um, most people know Ian Fuller, Sean McCauley, and then goalkeeper coach Stuart Kerr. I know, MJ has talked a lot about these guys over the course of the year and, and specific things and stuff like that. But um, other than, than our standard days, I know Heath, you know, hashtag Heath out anything, any specific things you want to mention about the coaching staff or things that we did that they did. When John McCauley came in last year, he was billed as one, a defensive coach replacement for Mark Watson. To me, he should be fired over the past few seasons for that. And then he was also billed as a player whisperer. Um, or shall we say a Heath translator, he was billed as this guy who could help bridge the gap between the rest of the coaching staff and the players being kind of a player's got a player's manager, good camaraderie with the players, uh, chummy, friendly, that sort of thing. And with maybe some ability to explain or simplify coaching speak into more player speak. Um, and I have no clue how well he did at that because I wasn't there, but I did see a lot of shitty defense. I mean, I think the fact that, and we know this thanks to a uh, friend of the pod, Andy Greeter, that the loons real hot streak, the, the point of the season where they looked really good came after a players only meeting probably says there's a disconnect between the coaching staff and the players. And it took the senior leaders, guys like Robin Lude, Michael Boxall, Will Trapp, to actually act as their own translators, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, this certainly isn't the first players-only meeting in team history. Or I mean, these things are fairly common. But I don't know. Every, every angle I tried to get on this team, trying to understand what they were trying to do, trying to understand whether this year was a success or a failure, it just comes back to this feeling that this is a team that is essentially trying to climb a 10-foot wall with an 8-foot ladder. They are just not set up to succeed. They are not set up to do big, hard, ambitious things. They're set up to not look like they did in 17 and 18. And if that leads to some additional success, super. But they just can't fail like that over and over again. And to me, that comes back to how close Adrian Heath was to losing his job. And mm -hmm. this, this is a team that increasingly just looks like its manager. And it's a team that is scared to fail. It's a team that has no ambition 
And this season, I think, was the perfect encapsulation of that. I think if you look at, they didn't overperform or underperform statistics notably. They weren't, if you wait by actual minutes played, they were middle of the road for age, the middle of the road for salary until they removed Unu's contract. Like, they're just mediocre. Mm-hmm. And I think that starts at the top and it has now permeated every player on this team. Yeah, that kind of actually, yeah, brings us to sort of like everything else. So, um, you know, Jess, anything you want to say about the, the manager? You're, you're the one who sits the closest to Inchi, so you get to see him every game, so. Well, yeah, I think he's a, I think some of the phrases Dan just said probably sum up Inchi's uh, professional psyche well. Don't take too many risks because, you you know, if you really shit the bed, obviously, right, go out on a limb and try something risky. He's he's too afraid to do that. He doesn't have the risk tolerance. And I don't know if that comes from his his personal like welfare, like to keep this job. Like, how old are you, dude? Just go retire. Uh <laughs> we don't have to fire you you could just go away um I just yeah I feel it's he doesn't have a plan he doesn't have direction he just is a talking head he's worse than the talking heads like the real talking heads on ESPN and all the networks because he has this accent right which is neither here nor there I watch a lot of BBC. He is unintelligible, um, but maybe oh, I, I can see how odd that's stratified. Anyway, okay. I just think he won't take check. He won't take risks, but he won't die. <laughs> and I'm done. Like I'm just on the train and I just think any change, even a horrible change would at least be more exciting than more like the statistic they kept referring to um, during the playoff match was that we had made the playoffs round one, like the last four seasons or made it to postseason the last four seasons. And I was like, fucking A, we have. Like, why aren't we progressing any further? We make it just enough to get out in the first or second round. Just far enough. It's it's like, it's hard to get excited to go to the playoffs anymore. Like this, even if it had been an Austin game and I had the ability to go, I don't know if I would have, because it was such a letdown to go and lose. Anyway, yeah. That is and everything, I think everybody knows where my feelings are on Adrian Heath. So, <clears throat> um, and we, and MJ has a heart out. So we gotta, we gotta be, we're trying to be respectful of everybody's time. So anything else, um, from the season that was that you wanted to point out or highlight or lowlights, um, for, you know, the stadium itself, the, you yeah, know, the rest of the front office, anything, um, go ahead, MJ. So for me, the low light was the, how we bowed out of the U S open cup. We won the first two rounds. We're playing Union Omaha, a low seed, a lower division team at home. 
and Reynoso's not even on the bench. And I have no problem with starting and squad rotating for that game. Now, after Tyler Miller wins us two U.S. Open Cup games, is that the best point to put Eric Dick in? Probably mm. not. But it's not just his fault. I mean, it's, it's, it really, you look at the goals, they're not all on Eric Dick. And I, I think Tyler Miller was unable to play in that game, MJ. I think that's why Eric Dick played. <clears throat> Either he okay. had COVID or he, he, got, he had hurt himself. Like there's, I, there's, I don't think they just put an Eric Dick in just for shits and you know, dicks and giggles. If you okay. Will. Yeah. But like, so you're not playing Dane St. Clair. This is my point. You're not playing Tyler Miller and you're not playing Dane St. Clair. You're going to your three well, keepers. I think with your point, there was, Renelson wasn't the only first team player that wasn't even on the bench that, you know, that was literally sitting in the, well, in the so, box upstairs. And then you combine Heath's post-game comments and Michael Boxel's post-game comments. Mm. And it, it's just a shit show, you know? And so the result, the, the performance on the field, the result, and then the shit show that followed with the post-game interviews. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on with this team? I know no one went to media camp, but God, this is embarrassing. That was my low bite. <clears throat> there were a few of those this year, um, particularly from Harrison Heath's uh, Twitter account. So um, that dude needs to get his uh, phone taken away from him. So Anything else? Otherwise, we'll, <clears throat> we do have a, a listener question that I want to post you guys to sort of wrap up this look back on 2022. Anything else from the, the season that we didn't discuss in terms of the on-field product? Um, I will say one thing that was really cool um, on the being on the Wonderwall board, we get, you know, we got to go to, to do like a sort of little behind the scenes tour of Allianz. We got to go up to the, um, the, the booth where they do like the scoreboard and everything, get to see like, you know, the, the, the manifestations of the scoreboard and stuff. And it was the right after Bongi had scored his first goal. He scored that goal. I think it was, was it in Austin? He scored his first goal. He scored on the road somewhere. And then Houston, Houston, I knew it was somewhere in Texas. Um, and then they showed us on the, on the board, they, they created that, that uh, his dance move, like that, that they think that goes across the board when he scores, they had, they had pre-created that. And so they got, they showed us actually on the board. We couldn't tell anybody before because, if he didn't score, um, that would be kind of embarrassing, but he literally <laughs> scored, he literally scored the next match. So I was like, when he scored, I told Anna, I was like, turn around, look up. And then there's like him just doing this like little sort of like dance that he did when he scored that goal in Houston. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, if nothing else got to sort of hang out and see that with that, that big ass room looks like and how they can do it, put stuff on the scoreboard, but also, you know, that we get to see Bongi score a goal at Allianz field. Got that cool graphic. So. Okay, here's your question. Um, this is from Hop Clouds, uh, Christian Fitchett. The devil approaches and offers you a choice. You can stay with this ownership group, and perhaps if they fail to produce a playoff spot, they'll make an, an, a front office change, or the club gets new owners of questionable oil money origin. Uh, we could say that too, of questionable um, venture capital origin as well. Um, but they've already said Heath is their man. What do you do? I mean, Heath's whole thing is that he doesn't have a plan. He's vibes only, right? So if you have virtually infinite money, plus or minus MLS salary restrictions, and you could bring in players whose vibes are immaculate and who have never needed a plan, you can win a title that way, especially in MLS. Uh, so I think that's probably, I think I would choose, I, th I don't think Adrian Heath can screw up mid-career Leo Messi. <laughs> or like go get Florian Balogun from Arsenal or 
whatever whoever the the first player who's kicked off the Man City squad is. Like, let them go tear up MLS. There's plenty. Of, there's there's a solid history of your Lucas Delarayans and Raul Rudy Diaz and etc. So yeah, I'll I'll let Adrian Heath lift the trophy and I'll just ignore that and and go celebrate the confetti. I might need the options explained again. David, you're on mute. Yep. Uh, yeah, you can either stay with uh, this current ownership group, so Dr. McGuire mm-hmm. and whatever, and perhaps, <clears throat> let's just say, if they fail to produce a playoff spot next year, they're going to make a front office change. Or you get a new owner right away, um, but they've already said that Adrian Heath is the person that they want running the team. So if they don't make the playoffs next year, you get a new manager guaranteed. This way you're keeping Heath, but you got a shit ton of money in your back pocket. Okay, I'd only take Heath if it's a one-year contract. He has no options. If he doesn't make the playoff, he's he's gone next year. But he, yeah, but he, why would not take the money and get Heath out for sure? That's that's not the that's the point of the question. It's you, you can't have both. <laughs> oh, you got to pick one or the other. Well, I guess I'm a negotiator. I don't know how. To not okay, MJ. Do you have an answer to this question? It's <laughs> not trying to be to... damned if you don't. Yeah, uh, I'm being more and more convinced that uh, sometimes it's not X's and O's, it's Johnny's and Joe's. That's a friend of the pot, Eric Grady's uh, favorite thing to tell me when I'm talking tactics out of my ass. And <laughs> you know, as much as I would agree with that sentiment, and you know, having more money invested into this team and better players would make us a better team. Um, I still cannot get beyond the fact that every season, including 2017, Keith has failed to maximize the talent on the roster in any sort of meaningful way. Um, You look at the talent we have and you look at what we have and and what you can do with them system-wise, tactically, um, organizational-wise, in trying to get them on the same page and simplify something that will work to get them as a cohesive unit to try to be a shortcut from playing four seasons with each other. And that's what you have a coach to do is to make that route to better chemistry, better communication, better attacking and defensive ideas shorter. And Heath has just been so poor at it. Now, I think- Just pick one. Just fucking pick one. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm going with option A. Okay, thank you. Uh, yes, give me A because if as soon as they don't make the playoffs, he's gone. Um, like guarantee yeah. me, a, there's, you know, I'm I'm picking Heath over more money. Exactly. There you go. All right. Thank you, everybody, for your long-winded answers to a question that really just needed five words. So I appreciate it, and I'm sure our you make do this too. fun. Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look forward to 2023. We'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Okay, and we are back, and we are looking forward to 2023. Uh, so a few things in terms of logistics. Um, the team has options on 
Eric Miller, O'Neill Fisher, Nabi Kibanguchi, DJ Taylor, uh, Colin Montgomery, Jacory Hayes, Nico Hansen, Justin McMaster, uh, Azil Jackson, Abu Dunladi, and Tani Oluwaise, who was on loan to, I can't remember where he was on loan to, but he was on loan all year. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think to a USL team, I'm pretty sure. So, um, no, he was, he was on loan to Loon's Dose. Yeah, he's on the two. Oh, yeah, Loon's two. Right, right, right. Um, okay, same with Azil Jackson. Um, yeah, so, okay, that makes sense. Uh, then we have expiring loans for Jonathan Gonzalez, as we mentioned earlier, and Jonathan Rosales also have expiring loans. We have options to buy on both of those. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens out there. Uh, out of contract, we don't have anybody out of contract, I believe, at this point. Uh, Will Trap is guaranteed to return. I believe he hit that. It was triggered by a clause in his contract. I think probably appearances or something like that. He had a guaranteed $784,000 last year. I presume that number will go up as well. And then it's not been officially concerned, confirmed, but uh, sounds like Romain Metnier, um definitely not returning to the team. I think he might be the one who's out of contract, possibly, or he maybe had a maybe had an option. But um, so yeah, so those are kind of the the big things. Um, very uh, quickly, is is out of contract, right? He has an option, team team option. I mentioned okay. him a little bit ago. Um, of those team options, expiring loans, um, who would you who do we keep? Who do we who do we want back next year? Um, obviously we don't know who's going to be released from the rest of the league. So we're not going to, we're not going to talk about, you know, the 2023 in terms of who we want to bring in right now, but who of those options and loans do you want to bring back? Um, Dan, do you want to just go first? Yeah, for sure. Um, the one I'll say a hard no to is Tyler Miller, who should not be back. Not because he's not superb. He is, but he makes almost a half million dollars. And this is a team that lacks for funds. Wasting that much money on a backup keeper is just absolutely fiscal disaster. So Go literally anywhere else, Tyler Miller. I will cheer for you. I wish you the best. You've been a superb servant to the club. Please do not show up at Allianz for any reason next year. Um, guys, I really do want to see back. DJ Taylor, for sure, for the reasons that we've covered. Uh, Azil Jackson, who I think should get first-team minutes next year. Um, Colin Montgomery, Callum Montgomery, as long as there is some plan to actually integrate him into the team, Um I, I don't want him riding on the bench or with the twos anymore. I don't know that he can learn that much more there. Um, I think Rosales is coming back, whether I want him or not. He seems to like him a lot, which is strange because he got almost no time. And I would bring Jonathan Gonzalez back. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for his career, but I think he could run a hell of a double pivot with Kervin Ariaga. And I was sad that we <laughs> never got to see that. Cool. Uh, Jess, anybody else? Dan Mister, or anybody you're interested in? Well, what does it mean if we have an option? Uh, just means that we can bring them back guaranteed the some at some probably pre-negotiated salary. Um, if we say no to that option, that means they can become a free agent, basically. Yeah. More or less. It's Nico Hansen. I like yeah. Nico Hansen in his where you had him on the field area. Um, I think with more um, play, uh, more minutes, more even just coming in as a sub more often, um, he could get into a good rhythm. And because he has those those fancy feet, I say, <laughs> fancy feet, like Reynoso, like um, that, that can 
you know, waltz it in down the middle and who can push it, you know, against the sidelines and just a quick turn and just seem to be able to really um, ball handle effectively towards the goal. Um, and he's cute. <laughs> MJ, anybody else? The people that you haven't mentioned, um, I want McMaster back. Justin McMaster is 23 years old. He can play right or left wing. He's a great depth piece. He looked good for the twos. Um, he should get more senior minutes. He should sub in more when we need a chaos agent at, for a tired Fragapane next year. Um, I would love to see him running at tired legs. And then I would say, uh, I would echo the Nico Hansen thing. Um, and then with Ja'Cory Hayes, to me, it all depends on the combination of health and how much we're paying him. But I, I like him as a death piece who can play the 10 or the six or the eight. I, you know, I like, like him as a depth piece. Again, like, what are we paying him and what is his uh, injury status? Yeah, Chikori is the only one I was going to mention that hadn't been already talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Just yeah, he got hurt so early. He's when he's been on the pitch for us, he's looked really good. But again, he's yeah had a few injuries here. So um, yeah, I, I would bring him back too. Yeah, I definitely would cut bait on Rosales, um, Jonathan Gonzalez. I mean, it kind of depends on what the cost is on him because um, his is a straight buy from the loan. I guess they could theoretically extend the loan with uh monterey but sounds like they probably monterey wants them off the, off their books completely so <clears throat> depending on how much it costs to buy jonathan gonzalez I, w- I would definitely pull the trigger on that one um i i don't know you can't pay me enough money to take john joseph rosales again even though i know that keith will um because that's that's how things are um well and he's super cheap yeah well yes yeah, so yeah it was yeah it depends on how much yeah how much his, his contract goes up i mean these a lot of this is based on money obviously I agree with you. Um, Eric Miller needs to be set free. Uh, Tyler, we already said Tyler it. Miller. Yes, I know. Shit, Tyler Miller. <laughs> um, I, Lord help me if Abu Dunladi is on this roster again next year. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the other ones kind of have you know pretty much. I could see I could see this team keeping only um, of those team options, only picking up maybe two or three, um, maybe maybe only two. Honestly, um, I could see them picking up four or five too, depending on what their feelings are on being able to shop Miller in the, um, in the, in the off season. That's another option too. So. I, I hope all the kids and by kids, I mean, uh, Aziel Jackson, Tony Lovey-Wesey and Justin McMaster are back in, in some way, shape or form. So. Yeah. Hope all right. All um, let's talk very quickly about off season priorities. Um, as I meant, we, so we didn't really mention DPs um, are, Garcia, Mender Garcia, um, Luis Amaria, and Emmanuel Reynoso. Um, I know for sure Garcia can be bought down as a DP. Um, is and I'm pretty sure Amaria is close enough where he can be bought down as yeah. a DP as well. So what do we see as the biggest? I mean, big offseason priorities for uh, Minnesota United this year. Um, I'll, I mean, I'll start first with the 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 glaringly obvious one based on the end of the season and our de- our defense, young center backs. We need young and not, not young center backs that we need to train and, and teach. We need young um, established center backs. Thank you. Multiple multiples. You're right. We, we want young center backs who can start. 
And right. I like Kevin Gucci and I like Colin Montgomery, but they are not starters, at least not yet. And one could argue that they probably are more depth pieces in the future, but we need young center backs who can start. Thank you, David. <laughs> um, all right. Who else has, you know, what would be your offseason priority outside of obviously young center backs being the, I think this team needs another like really top end talent piece. Uh, we saw Dane St. Clair steal a bunch of points. We saw Emmanuel Reynoso pull a couple of games out of his hat that the loon shouldn't have gotten anything from. This is a star-based league. Uh, you look at the teams that are left, they are player, they are teams that have a player who can unilaterally decide we're not fucking losing this one. Yeah. And they don't. And the loons have those guys, but they need at least one more. So they cleared between salary in and salary out, their payroll ended up being uh, about two and a half million less at the end of the year than it was at the beginning. Turn that money into a striker who I like think late season Gonzalo Higuain, a guy who gets the ball anywhere on the pitch. And the next thing you know, it's in the back of the net and you can't cheap out on this. We saw Mender Garcia do some interesting things, but be an inefficient score. We saw Luis Amaria do some things that made you go, Oh, I, I can kind of see what the team sees in him, but he's not a scorer. This team needs a scorer. And I think they're going to have to spend a constituent portion of the money they saved to get one shining player, even if they have to pay him two to three million. Who's due to retire from, uh, you know, the Premier League or, you know, (laughs) let's start shopping them now. (laughs) Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, great. We'll take him. No. We're not, no, we picking up, we're not picking up a rapist. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Yeah. He, yeah. he well, has only recently been allowed back in the United States because the case got thrown out end of last summer, mid last summer. Oh my God. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I 100% agree. And then I guess my, my other big one is, is we need to figure out our fucking midfield. Um, you know, based on what we mentioned there up top about who we want to bring back, considering we also have Dotson coming back. Um, you know, if we bring back to Corey Hayes, he's coming back. We have a lot of players in our midfield and Dan, back to your point is that we have a lot of players on our midfield without an actual uh, plan for our midfield. So, yeah. so that's, a, I think going to be an important uh, priority and question for the team in the off season as well. Any, is there anything else that we're missing? Um, I would just say on the uh, on the whole center midfield bit, we need a natural six. Kervin Ariaga was supposed to be that guy. Jonathan Gonzalez is supposed to be that guy. I will reiterate when we picked up those guys, this team, was, with the exception of Ozzy Alonso, has the history of failing of finding what a defensive midfielder is. Um, they initially announced Gregouche as a, as a defensive midfielder, as our number six. I would argue that I would argue that this team has no idea what a number six actually does. How That's about that? what they need to do. Ozzy <laughs> yeah. Alonso fucking knew. Sorry, Jess. Didn't mean to talk right. over you. Go ahead. Um, the one thing we haven't said is uh, we are missing a piece of the starting eleven, which is Roman Metnair was penciled in as the right back. I like DJ Taylor a lot. He's not a first division starting right back for a team that needs its fullbacks to overlap and be offensive threats. So that's actually probably one of the highest priorities is a fullback that can attack. But to your collective points, 
if you have a six that can free up your defenders, maybe you put all Benitez back there. Hey, uh, like, you know, he does some things well. I, I'm going to be the number one all Benitez fan. I guess that's my new role mm-hmm. in the podcast. <laughs> also, when DJ Taylor did get forward, he had several shots that came very, very close to getting goals. Mm-hmm. It just, it was not the same number of, uh, it wasn't at the rate that Menier was getting forward. Right. Yeah, I say DJ Taylor's offense is better than Alan Benitez's defense. Let's put it that way. Yes. And yeah. DJ I would agree with DJ that. DJ Taylor's defense is a lot better than Alan Benitez's defense. So, you and know, credit to Trap, Boxo, or the coaching staff, whoever put their foot down and made that decision. Because I, I agree with you, Alan Benitez was uh, set up to fail, uh, Dan. But yeah. That that changed back to DJ Taylor needed to happen. Okay, um, that brings us to a question from uh, Adla Cribs, who was on the podcast earlier this year. Uh, him and hey. his lovely wife Mags. Um, his question it's it's a little it's a little weird. So let me say the question. I'll kind of translate it for you. Uh, what's the likelihood the 2023 loons will be like the 2022, 21, and 20 loons? So I think what the Cribs is trying to get at here is what's the likelihood that this, the upcoming, the 2023 team will basically be like the last three teams, you know, make the playoffs as a four five, six seed, you know, have ups and downs sort of, you know, kind of a roller coaster of a season, never being too far down, never being too far up, but, you know, getting into the playoffs on the last day, sort of, I guess kind of the way I, I read this question, if that makes sense. So that being said, what is the likelihood that next year's team is going to be look a lot like the last year, three years teams? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It's a just guarantee. I think just with the lack of contract flexibility, this team is going to look a, really similar to the previous three years. I, there, a lot of the options are one-year options. I think 23 will be the last year in this set, and we'll see a very, very different team, better or worse, who knows, in 24. So I would I would agree with Jess's guarantee. This is going to be a very similar team. Twenty four, who knows? That may be the the start of a brand new era where I don't feel like throwing uh, something at a three team. <laughs> I would agree with my colleagues with the caveat that in twenty twenty the Loons made the Western Conference Finals, and we will not be like the twenty twenty Loons. We will be more like the 2021-2022 Loons. Well, to be fair, that was the COVID year too, so it was kind of a fuck season. So, good point, good point. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a quick break now that we're we're kind of like cleansed ourselves of the loons. Now let's actually look at some fun, exhilarating, uh, good soccer. Not this stuff that we've been jamming into our veins for the last uh, five months. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll start off with Minneapolis City. You want me to be that type of dude And I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all All right, and we are back. This is uh, the rest of soccer in the Twin Cities area, basically. Uh, Minneapolis City, the Minneapolis City, we alluded to this last year that the there was discussions about 
leagues that Minneapolis City is going to be in next year. Um, if you remember, they played in the USL2, NPSL, and UPSL last year. Three different teams, uh, three teams in different leagues with you know, a rotating cast of, of Motley Crew there. Um, the members decided uh, to leave the NPSL next year. So Minneapolis City will basically have a, uh, a senior team and a, um, you know, a, a, a lower division team. The lower division team comprised of most a lot of futures players, um, you know, newer Minneapolis City players with a, um, a more condensed first team playing in the USL2. So MJ, Dan, does that sound correct? Yeah, so the USL League 2 will be the top team. Yep. UPSL will be the lower team. And this will help consolidate both their playing pool and their coaching staff. I also uh, signed up to be a season ticket holder specifically in order to vote uh, on this motion. And uh, I am pleased with the results. It's awesome. All four of us are season ticket holders. Wonderful. Again, for the second year. Yeah. No, I wasn't a season ticket holder until this. Yeah. Oh, my, my bad. Uh, I am going to to propose a uh, Days I Know podcast and listener trip up to Duluth to boo Duluth because I don't ever want that muscle to get atrophied. I want to always be sharp just in case we ever end up in a league with Duluth again. I want to be ready to boo <laughs> the hell out of them. I'm that on. Sounds... I'm on board. That sounds fun. Uh, all right. And then uh, I think, do we miss this? Matt Van Ben Scotten got a promotion, MJ? Um, um, Matt Van Ben Scotten has but, yeah. been... Uh, Moved from the head coaching position to, I believe, technical director or sporting director, something like that. Yeah, <clears throat> um, he was on, he's been on this podcast a couple of times. He's a really great dude. Um, so yeah, congratulations to him. All right, MJ, take us to the Gopher Soccer. Gopher Soccer Gala. Uh, the Gophers finished eight, seven, and three, four, four, and two in the Big Ten. Uh, that is wins, losses, draws, uh, because the NCAA is fucking American. And uh, overall, last year, the first year under Aaron Jeffsing, they finished 10th, meaning they missed the playoffs. Preseason, the Big Ten pollsters picked them at ninth, also to miss the playoffs. But this year, they finished eighth of 14 teams in the Big Ten, and they make the playoffs. This was done over this past weekend. On Thursday, I was there at Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium with Jason Forty, uh, Mel and Daniel of the Thunderwall, Jared Christensen of uh, American Outlaws, and my cousin Brooke, who all showed up. Uh, they played Purdue. They won 2 nothing off of two goals by Sophia Romine. Uh, she gets her fourth and fifth goals of the season. They were both assisted by also transfer in center back Gabby Cesarone with second assist by Sophia Bowman and McKenna Beisman. Great 2-0 win against Purdue, a team they should beat, especially at home. And then on Sunday, they went to Illinois. Uh, tale of two halves. Uh, first half, Sof- uh, Sophia Bowman gets a goal. And then less than three minutes later, uh, Sadie Harper gets a goal, assisted by Sophia Romine and Kaya Harper. Not quite the Harper to Harper that we wanted, but Harper to Romine to Harper, pretty damn close. And uh, so the, at halftime, Gophers feeling good up to nothing. They let in two goals in the second half, a penalty kick by Burchill, and then um, 
Michaela Woods in the 88th fucking minute. So Aaron Chastain said, certainly disappointed with how we closed the game. I don't think it was our best day. We'll use this week to prepare for a really good Michigan State team on Sunday. It's going to be a huge test for our group, and I'm excited to see us step up for it, which is what you expect Aaron Chastain to say because she's been to media camp. Um, uh, that brings us to the quarterfinal. Uh, Big Ten seed number one, Michigan State versus eighth seed uh, Minnesota Gophers. Sunday, October 30th, 3 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. I will probably be back Blackheart for that. Uh, double check that Wes has the Big Ten because I'm not, I don't think he does. Oh, um, Mark Kravatsky was just kind of like logging in and using their. Oh, okay. Like, or that's how he was doing it in the past. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's only for Big Ten Plus. Maybe that's not for Big Ten Network. So I'll maybe have to double check. Double check with Mark or with Mark Kravatsky then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can hit him up on, uh, you can hit him up on Twitter. So, uh, okay. Moving along, um, other huge news. Uh, Minnesota Aurora dropped a bomb on Monday, yesterday, that they are exploring, uh, are currently in the process of exploring a move to professional soccer. So to a quick refresh, um, Aurora played in the uh, USLW, uh, which is a, like a pre-professional league, uh, mostly college players. Um, and that league just started last year. Um and it's kind of a, you know, obviously they kicked ass and did had a really good time. It sounds like this was, this is always part of the plan to sort of move towards a professional team. It apparently got accelerated though, because um, the USL Super League, which is the a professional league in the USL for women, starts next year. Theoretically, starts next year. Um, they haven't announced any teams yet, which is it's getting kind of late to start a league if you haven't announced any teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably 2024, actually. And it's the like NWS- MJ late. Yeah, and the NWSL, um, obviously, is the, is, the, is the professional league in the United States, as we all know. We'll talk about the playoffs here in a little bit. Um, so they sent a letter to all their uh, owners, say, basically sort of stating this. Um, obviously, there's not a ton of details because, you know, there's NDAs and confidentiality, things like that. There's things that they don't even know the answers to right now. Um, there are some things that we know. Basically, you know, it's going to take a very rich person to sort of step in and be the sort of the lead investor. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to buy the entire team or they just have to have Angel a certain percentage. They have to have a certain percentage and they have to own yeah, have to have a certain percent of uh, a certain amount of money in the bank, basically. So if you have any rich friends, now is the time let's, to, uh, to reach out to them. Get, let's, let's nominate Nancy Lyons mm. of clockwork a local Twin Cities digital marketing firm. She is one of my personal uh, professional role models. And I think she might make enough money. Okay. It's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a substantial amount of money, Jess. Okay. So um, we'll send them to West. In Northeast Minneapolis, by the way. Yeah. Send, send, them, send them to West. That's, that'd be perfect. So I know they're, they are, they're looking, I, apparently I have been some people that have reached out. So um but they're vetting everybody. So they're not going to, I don't think they're going to make the same mistakes that the Maguires did in, in, you know, being, and also in being jackasses to the fan base. Um, <clears throat> I can't imagine a, this team going pro would change, would change anything about this team. So it's just really exciting news um, to hear that this, and, and, you know, Minnesota is obviously a market that is done well with soccer. And I'm sure the NWSL is looking at us with 
you know, dollar signs in their eyes. And I'm sure USL Super League would love to have, you know, Minneapolis St. Paul as their one of their, you know, anchor franchises when they are starting their new league. So we'll see. I'm pretty excited to hear more like how this goes down with the community ownership. You know, it's like, it's such a different model. Um, yeah. It, I'm fascinated. Yeah. So Arsenal has a model that's going to be so a little bit similar to this. Their primary owner is obviously Stan Kroenke. They have shares, so it's a little bit different. But then they have a supporters trust that kind of basically pool their money and then have a voting say in the club. Mm. It's small and largely symbolic, but it does exist. Like Friends of the Library. <laughs> yes, exactly like Friends of the Library. But it's Friends of People with Cannons. <laughs> uh, a little on NGN on here. There were two times that we saw uh, USLW League President Amanda Vandervoort in TC Open, or, sorry, Twin Cities Orthopedics uh, Stadium. One was the first game of the season where they brought out the USLW trophy to dangle in front of the players and to drool over. And this lap, the next one was the, the, the final game, the, the finals of the playoffs. You have to look at their attendance records just being so far above anyone else in USLW and even better than some of the NWSL franchises out there that did Amanda Vandervoort maybe put something in Andrea Yacha's ear about like, so we're starting that USL Super League next year that's a pro league. Guess what? I'm the president of that too. <laughs> I'm the president of the USLW League and I'm going to be the president of the USL Super League. Um, what what could you do for us there? So MG Non says that conversation happened. Uh, MJ, I wouldn't be surprised if um, once this group expressed interest and reached out to the USL, if the USL didn't ask them to stay, wait until 2023. Mm -hmm. Um and be just be part of the super league right away. Um, yeah. but for the, they wanted to get going, they had the, the, the investors, you know, so you might, MGNA might be a little out of something there. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to give him much credit, but you know, you shouldn't possibly you should not give them much credit at all. I'm giving him more credit <laughs> than Zeller's giving him. All right. Well, speaking of the NWSL, um, what's did, uh, any of you guys watch any of these playoff matches this weekend? Um, I could they, not because I was roofing. They were hella fun. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were, yeah. Otherwise, I would have, because I, I love women's soccer, and yeah, they, they're just, they're so much fun. Well, uh, Casey went into Seattle um, to Washington and beat the Oil Rain two to nothing on the road. Fuck they scored, yeah. Casey scored the fastest ever goal in uh, the playoffs in NWSL history for the second week in a row. So they beat their their record by a minute. I think it was like the fourth away first fastest ever away goal um, in a playoff match. So um, they, uh, yeah, they set the record last year and then they, or last week and then they broke it this week. So they knocked off the rain two to nothing. Um, and then in the second semifinal, Portland Thorns was this and San Diego wave. This is a hell of a game. Wave got up early. Portland Thorns battled back. And then in the, in the last, basically the 94th minute or 93rd or 94th minute, uh, Crystal Dunn hits an absolute banger of a goal. Um, nothing the San Diego Wave goalkeeper could do. 
giving the Thorns, you know, thought they were going to extra time, a 2-1 victory. So it's Portland versus KC um, this Saturday, uh, 8 p.m. Or sorry, I think 7 p.m. our time um, on CBS Sports Network. That game is playing being played in a neutral venue. It's being played in um, D.C., which for both Portland and Kansas City is probably the stupidest place to play a soccer Ever. match. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, for yeah, the... I don't know why it went back to neutral venues for the for this year, but they did. So at DC's hosting. God, it's easier for them to plan from a logistics standpoint. Mm. I know that, but it's it's also, yeah. It, it's also it's, stupid from a fan participation standpoint. Right, exactly. Thank you. Okay. Um, all right. And then MJ, you have uh you have a question for Dan. Yeah, so uh Dan, uh please. Tell us what it's like being an Arsenal fan this season, starting with the women's 5-1 upset in air quotes of Olympique Lyonnais in Lyon. I mean, I think that's a legitimate upset. I think anytime you go into Lyon, it's going to be a dogfight. And then to absolutely house them 5-1 was, uh, it was pretty sweet. Honestly, well, Katarina I- Marcario, no Ada Hedeberg, but you look at their roster and who they like, Bringing out Sydney Bruin off the bat. You look at their roster. Both of these rosters are really deep. They're really, really deep. I Both with Arsenal men and Arsenal women this year, it's, it's the fulfillment of a lot of promise. It's, hey, you know, if we had just one more piece, if we were just a little bit better in this area, oh, man, we would, we'd really be kicking ass. And full credit to both of those front offices. They actually spent the offseason going and getting those pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's been a hell of a lot of fun to watch. But it's in a weird way. Like for, for the Arsenal men, obviously, Gabriel Jesus is incredible. He's super fun to watch. But we're seeing the renaissance of Granite Shaka's career. I mean, he scored more goals in the first three months of this season than he scored at Arsenal in his entire career at Arsenal. So it's, it's all of these little pieces finally starting to come together. I honestly, the next time the Loons get really good, when they have a striker that can score goals, I think it's going to feel really similar because we're always sold on the promise that the God, next I thing is so. coming. Yeah. Right. Like it's, this is very like, ah, someday the revolution's coming, but you know, we all hold out that hope and finally getting some glimmers of no, actually we weren't just selling you a, a bill of goods. Like we actually had a plan and we're executing on it. It's a pretty great feeling. Um, I've been at Arsenal and Minnesota sports fan long enough to know I, this is not going to last all season. We will hit, <laughs> We will hit the skids. <laughs> there will be there will be injuries. I, I think Arsenal still makes the Champions League. I think they finish second or third. I just I, City's just a juggernaut. Like that team is so stocked. And so, um, but it's been really fun. It's it's fun to get up and watch those games. Now it's fun to sit and and dream about what the next iteration is going to be. What the next little pieces to make the team just that much better are going to be. So it's been really fun. Uh, if we're still in first place on uh, on January 1st, I will be pleasantly surprised, but I'm certainly not holding my breath. Cool. All right. Well, that will do it for us uh, tonight. Thank you, everybody, for um, listening to us this year. We'll probably take a little bit of a break. I, we, are, we are still figuring out the schedule for the World Cup podcast that we are doing with crossover with uh, the Minnesota football show. So don't worry. Um, just keep your eyes on the feed. Um, when those shows are, we're going to cross post them um, in both the football show feed as well as the t- the Dave's I Know feed. So um, if you don't hear from us for a little bit, 
no worries. We're, we're sticking around. We're going to be doing stuff. Um, but you could but still yeah. tell us that you, you miss us if you, you feel like it. Yeah. And, and uh, the best way to do that is hit us up on Twitter. Um, you can always find Dan as at D Wade. Yes. At D Wade. Um, Ebony and, magazine. Yeah, Ebony magazine. As, as Dwayne Wade the other day. Oh, did that's, they really? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the most recent one. That's awesome. That's, that is yeah, awesome. I, I am definitely the core uh, audience for Ebony magazine. <laughs> Clearly. You can find uh, me at Texas Zeller. MJ is at MJ Matsui. You can always reach the the pod generally at TDIKMN on Twitter as well. I, I, I unlocked my uh, Twitter because I got that job so I could finally uh, unleash my tweets to the, the, the rest of the world, not just the people who follow me. So um, if you've been waiting to follow me because I, my, my tweets were locked and I didn't accept you, um, try again. So I'm quite open now. And you can always, always find Jess at Jessica one, four, four, zero, eight, three, nine or two. Um, we've been the Dave's, you know, this is the Dave's. All right. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you. No, we can't do nothing at all. Long as you do yours, land here become feet, cunt. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Nah, we can't do nothing at all. Check it out, though. GT. He don't do nothing at all. G.